Okay, now, I know it's a little early in the sermon to be giving a side note, but let me give you a side note. (laughs) Vacations are good. Yeah, getting away, having a time of rest is A-OK with me, right? And you don't even have to get away very far. It's funny, we traveled almost 1,700 miles, but we never went out of Texas. (laughs) We never went too far outside of uh, 35, I-10, and 45. We kind of did the triangle, right? And we traveled all that time. It didn't matter how far away we were. It was good just to kind of be away, right? Rest is good, is it not? Sabbath is good. Sabbath and rest is biblical, isn't it? Now, let's get something straight. Rest and Sabbath is biblical, but it sort of goes with the idea that if you're going to rest, um, work precedes the rest, right? See, in the church, we got too many resters, don't we? Work comes before the rest, okay? And I'm going to leave that alone. That's a different story. But I want, that's my side note, okay? But rest is good. Now, I wanted to share something with you. Uh, as we've been gone the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, we got to see uh, friends. We got to see family. We got to see friends who are just about family. We even got to see some people that, well, anyway, right? They're everywhere. But, but here's what I wanted to share with you. Almost to a person, the people would ask, ask me something, and they, they would always pretty much ask me the same thing. And almost always, even in the same order, they would say, John, tell me, how's the family? How's school? How's the church? Every person, almost in that exact order. Now, you know how it is when you have an accident, right? Or maybe you get in the hospital or, or something happens, and every time you see somebody new, what do you have to do? you got to tell them over and over again what happened, right? And at first, you're kind of like, well, you try to change it up, right? Well, this and that. And then by after like the seventh person, you're like, forget it. Look, I fail, okay? Right? <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about. So we just kind of went through this spill. Everybody's asking the same question. How's the family? How's school? house church. Now, one person stood out for me by by a comment that they responded with, and a very simple comment, but one that was um, pretty rewarding for me and one that I appreciate. And the comment was, keep it up. You're doing okay. Now, that was very reassuring for for me because sometimes, you know, I wonder, am I okay? And this is what I mean. Sometimes I wonder, You know, am I doing everything for my family that I can? Am I giving them the time and the attention that I'm supposed to, that I need to? Have I done for them what I said I was going to do? Am I doing okay with that? School, for me right now, am I doing as well as I could be doing? You know, the the last minute is my favorite study buddy. Is that really, is that really what I need to be doing? Am I in the right school? Am I doing the right thing? Am I really okay with school? In church, is anybody really listening to anything I've ever said? You know, are the ideas and, and the energy, is, is any of that really doing something? Am I really okay? These are questions that uh, I don't think I'm alone in asking, but for me, for this time, you know, it's something I wonder about quite often. Am I really okay? So for someone to tell me, yes, John, you are okay. 
keep it up. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. But those are our questions that I wonder about. So, what about you? How's the family? How's school or work or whatever that would be for you? How's church? In other words, how are you doing? Now, here's the problem. If someone asks you, how are you doing, you could really get by and say, oh, I'm all right. <laughs> when you might not be, right? It never fails to, 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 to amaze me. Go see somebody in the hospital, right? And they've been in an accident or something major, and they got tubes hanging out their nose and their body and their arms and up. And I say, like, hey, how you doing? I'm fine. No, you're not. <laughs> Here's a question I think gets to the heart gets deeper in what we want to know as brothers and sisters in Christ. Instead of how you're doing, how is it with your soul? See, because that's something that's a little more difficult to get by with. I'm, I'm okay. I'm fine. How is it with your soul? Now, the comment that I told you about had a second part, and uh, it, it, was, it was, John, you're doing okay. Stay connected. Okay? Now, stay connected. Keep that. Stephen, hold that for me. Stay connected. And we'll come back to that in a little bit, okay? Keep that in your mind. And if you would, real quick, if you're able to, turn to chapter 12 of Hebrews, something that we just read. If there was any, a group of uh, people that we needed to ask how they were doing, it was the audience of the Hebrew uh, book, the book of Hebrews. Hebrews was addressed to a group of believers. Now, these believers were believers in Christ, right? And they were waiting for the promise of God, the fulfillment of God to come in their life, lifetime. We could say that they believed they were living in the end times. Have you heard anybody say that before? They believed they were living in the end times. And they believed they would see the coming of God's glory. But they knew that all they had to do was just wait. And so they waited. Thursday morning Bible study people, you know, what did they do? They waited. And then what did they do? They waited some more, didn't they? And then what did they do? They waited more. And they waited. And they waited. Now in the meantime, as they waited, they suffered. And they suffered because of their faith in Christ. Because they believed that Jesus was Lord, they were persecuted. They had their possessions taken away from them. They had their homes taken away from them. They were forced to live in holes, in caves. They were forced out of the places that they knew. They were forced to live in fear of their lives. And many of them were tortured. We have, we have gruesome stories of the people who, who were captured because of their faith because they weren't willing to denounce Christ as Lord, were tortured. People who were tied up and stretched like a drum and then beat like a drum until they died because of their faith. And many of them, I have to imagine, had to be wondering if following this Jesus guy was really the smart thing to do. Because since I've come to believe in him, since I've come to figure out 
what it means to follow him, I've had nothing but trouble. I wonder, should I really be following him? Now, in chapter 12, where we stopped off, in in verse 2, if we go just a little bit further to verse 12, I want you to look at that. The writer of Hebrews recognized in these people, whoever these people were, something. And look at verse 12 of chapter 12. Therefore, lift up your what? Drooping hands and strengthen your... See... The writer realized that these people were tired. Now, before we try to be relevant, let's be real, okay? You and I can have drooping hands and weak knees, can't we? We can be tired, but typically our drooping hands and our weak knees aren't the same kind that our ancient brothers and sisters had, are they? I don't think any of us have been tortured because of our belief in Christ. I don't believe, I don't think any of us have had anything taken away from us because we believe in Christ. None of us have been forced out of our homes or away from our country because we believe in Christ as Lord. And two responses of that, I think, are one, we need to thank God that that's not our circumstance. And then I think we need to realize that for a lot of our brothers and sisters today, that is still a reality. And we need to pray for them and we need to find ways for them We'll find ways to ease the suffering that they have because of their faith, because of really our faith that we share. But I want you to realize this. Hebrews is not like most of the other letters in the Bible. It's it's really sort of a sermon, isn't it? And whoever the writer was, she or he knew the reality of their audience. And she or he recognized what these people were up against and what they were facing. And realizing that, she or he gave them and offered them something very powerful to remember. And that's the part that we read together. And what that, the writer was trying to get them to remember is that there have been people who have seen God do great and mighty things. There have been people who have been rewarded for their faith in great ways. And yes, there have been people and there are people who suffer because of their faith. But they consider their faith worth the suffering. Y'all with me? But they still had faith. And that is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to express to his or her audience. That's why if you read it, it's important. It's hard to, try to, to take that out of one or two readings. Try reading it in, in one or two sittings, no more than three. Read it like, like you would. You don't hear a sermon in parts. You hear a sermon altogether. Read it that way, and you realize that the writer is trying to communicate that so greatly. Jesus is still worth believing in, friends. So let me ask you this again. How is it with your soul? Now, true, we don't face persecution. But boy, this life can be a real drain on us, can't it? We can get pretty tired, can't we? Think about it. Drooping hands. What what do drooping hands look like? Sort of just kind of. And what about weak knees? Anybody ever felt like that before? (laughs) 
right now. This life can be really tiring, can't it? So what are we going to do? You know, after a while, you know, this just gets, this gets really old really quick, doesn't it? Being tired ain't no fun. Being worried, being stressed out, being just uh, confused about everything, well, that just, it just weighs you down. And I don't believe that's the way God intended us to live. But let me tell you, friends, let me remind you today that your faith will see you through. Because the reality is, we can't always expect when this is going to come. We can't even prevent it from coming. But the reality is, we will face a time when we do feel like this. But your faith will see you through. Your faith will carry you. Your faith will bring you closer to God. Your faith, friends, is what's going to pick up those hands and straighten out those knees and let you feel like you can walk again. Your faith in Christ Jesus. Your faith will allow you to breathe again. You might not be okay right now, but by your faith, you will be. Amen? You see, later on, you can be the somebody that somebody else looks on and say, you know what? Well, sister so-and-so, she never gave up. Brother, what's his face? He never stopped believing. If they can do it, so can I. By our faith. So this is what I want you to do. I want you, Stephen, give me that thing I gave you back. You remember that? What was it? What was I told to do? Stay connected. I want you to stay connected. Now, there are many ways to stay connected. And in our world today, we get confused. Staying connected is different from keeping in touch. Because keeping in touch, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll remember to hit you up on Facebook, or maybe I'll send you a, a little card or something, or maybe when I see you down the street, I'll just kind of wave and be on about my business. That's keeping in touch, and that has its place, doesn't it? But I'm talking about staying connected. Connected to God in the way that the writer of Hebrews and even Isaiah were encouraging their audience to do. See, whoever wrote Hebrews knew that if those people they got disconnected, they would surely fall away. They would lose their faith amongst everything else that was going on around them. But if they didn't stay connected, they would lose their faith. And even in the reading that we had from Isaiah, see, Isaiah has this vision where the vision, this idea that God's people, Isaiah's people even, the Israelites, were planted by God. And planted by God to to produce certain fruit and to be a certain kind of people. But what happened is that the people forgot who the planter was. The people forgot who it was that gave them a purpose. And the people forgot who it was that gave them life. And they did their own thing. And that was the beginning of the end for them. In short, we could say that they were disconnected. You and I need to find ways to be connected to God, friends. And, of course, coming here 
or to a place like this on Sunday morning is one way. Being with other people is trying, people trying to do the same thing, trying to learn the same things. That's in one way. During the week, taking that time to pray is another way. You know, that, that God's Word, it's there for a reason. It's God's voice to us. Making use of it, hearing God speak through it is a way that we can stay connected. In a few moments, when we celebrate Holy Communion, to me, that's a powerful way we can be connected to the power of God. And these are all ways. And there are other ways that we can find ourselves connected to God. Now, like Isaiah wanted to do with the Israelites, and like the writer of Hebrews wanted to do with her or his audience, I want to remind you of something. And I want to give you a calling, if you will. And it goes like this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter, of our faith. Run with perseverance. It's hard to run like this. But if we look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, whether in times of vacation or when life seems the most busy, whether in times when we're kind of comfortable or we feel like we're about to fall off our rope, in times when we feel very good about what we're doing, or whether we have no idea what we're doing at all times to stay connected and to run the race. In Jesus' name.